Hey everybody, this is Jack. This is the Avon. And welcome to our NLEC podcast called Church on Air. Hey everybody, this is Church on Air. I'm Jack. This is the Avon. And welcome to sadly our last episode for this season section. Yeah, for this book. For this book. Yeah, I mean, there are only so many chapters to James. I've had a really good time. Um, recording this with you, Jack, and I hope you guys have had fun listening to us just talk about scripture and see if we can learn about God in the church. Yeah. So what did we talk about last week? Last week, we talked about pride and how pride causes us to um, quarrel among us, uh, each other within the church, causes us to have divisions within the church. And sometimes we have these big ideas of how we have the best um kind of thought on how the church should go, how we need to be in control all the time. And James is saying we need to stop being so prideful and thinking that we are the prime movers, that we are sovereign over our church. In fact, God is sovereign. And we the, God's kind of attitude towards pride is not to lift us up. It's actually to oppose the prideful. So if we end up like seeing the church and kind of going, I am the one who is in control. I need to lift myself up. I need to be heard. I need to be esteemed. God actually prevents those people from being lifted up in his church uh, because he is sovereign, not us. Yeah, God calls us to um, submit ourselves to God and to say, if the Lord wills, we'll live, live and do this or that. Yeah, it's all up to him, not us. Yeah, so continuing on. And we're moving on to chapter five today. Um, chapter five actually is what I call like a good summary. James kind of wraps up his whole book. Yeah, he um, goes through some of those main themes that he's talked about. For example, um, the rich and the poor. He goes back to um, what it means to have patience in suffering. And he then he wraps it up by pointing us towards the eternal things. He's not, don't do it just for the sake of it now, there are actually heavenly values that we um, teach ourselves, that we learn from as we live a fully devoted life to Christ. Yep. So moving on, I'm looking at verses one to six. Um, James talks about the rich and the poor. And I think I've noticed the theme here, Stephen. Um, when James talks about the rich, he almost talks about it. He paints the rich in a negative manner. But I think there's something deep to that. Deep to that, I don't think James is actually against the rich, but he's against something deeper, isn't he? Yeah, it's like the issue isn't about having money at all, right? In fact, we see Abraham was a fairly wealthy man in Scripture. King David, King Solomon, richest man of his time. The issue isn't necessarily wealth. The issue is what, like I, I hear this saying a lot, right? Like money doesn't make you who you are. Money makes you more of who you are. Um, so let's say you gain your wealth um, by being prideful. Being rich now makes you more prideful, right? If you're dysfunctional and everyone is dysfunctional, being rich brings your dysfunctions like, and it amplifies it. So what we're seeing here is sometimes rich people think they're better than others, particularly in this society uh, where there's not much of a middle class yet, uh, right, in, in the Roman Empire. Rich people think they're above others. They can take advantage of others. They can dictate terms to others. And James is saying, do not think that your wealth means that you are more valuable than somebody else. Yep. It's actually all within God's sovereignty. Yeah, and we see in these verses here that James is calling out the rich. They are uselessly hoarding their money. 
um, they're actually unjustly robbing their employees. They're underpaying them. And they're also quite self-indulgent of the money that, that they have. Mm. So it's actually rather what they're using with the money, the attitude behind it. Yeah. So we see that attitude in the rich still today, right? And, but it's not the rich that is evil. Yep. It's actually the people who are rich using their riches to oppress. That's the problem. Mm. Yeah. Um, so James uses this idea. So um, the big word here is eschatology, which means thinking about the end times, thinking about heaven. And he's drawing all these themes together by saying, the reason why you should look at not be prideful, the reason why you should be faithful, is because one day the end of this world will come. And what you have done with your wealth, what you've done with your faith, will be held into account. So in this case, he's saying, uh, verse 3, you have hoarded wealth in the last days, right? Um, the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. The sense of in the end, whatever you do, you should be faithful and humble because your oppression will one day be held to account by God. So he's saying, like, don't just do something um, thinking that your wealth will bring, will be currency in heaven, because one day God will return and what you do now will dictate how he judges you later. Yep. So we already see that theme that James will actually be elaborating on later on in the chapter. Mm -hmm. um, we see James calling out the rich and saying that you guys have laid up treasure, not good treasure, right? He's mm -hmm. saying that he's actually... Um, they've been self-indulgent with what they've had. Um, they've been hoarding things that um, will corrode. Yeah, like, I mean, if we go back to Matthew, it's about laying treasures in heaven, yep. not on earth. That's it. Right, like, let's have a bigger view. Sometimes we are so focused on having a comfortable life here on earth, we lose the bigger view, which is the eternal life after earth. Like, let's say you live 100 years now, right? But in the scope of eternity, it is just a grain of sand on the beach. Uh, and then sometimes we are so focused on what we can gain for ourselves now, we are actually, we end up being really short-sighted. And that's what James is saying. Like, don't be so short-sighted. Look at how vast God's destiny for you is and how that should impact your life now. Mm. Yeah. So we see us pointing us to the future in a healthy way. Yeah. Like, um, like, so if you are rich, and to be honest, if you're living in like the eastern suburbs in Australia, or actually if you live in Melbourne in Australia, it's more likely than not that you are already in the top 2% of wealthy people in the world. So we have a responsibility not to hoard wealth for ourselves, but to actually be good to those that are less, I think, less blessed in, in the financial area. Mm. Yeah. Um, anything else? Um, no, I think that's pretty much it. Yeah, moving on then. Yeah, so moving on. Um, we see that theme. We see the theme of James pointing towards the future, future um, in these next few chapters. So as we talk about chapter 7. Verse 7. Verse, verse 7, sorry, to 12. James is talking about having patience. Um, patience in suffering because of what's going to be happening in the future. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, so encouraging, right? So be patient there, verse 7. Uh, be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. 
See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. So he points towards like faithfulness and suffering. It's like planting seeds in, in the, in, as a crop, right? And over time, as you continue to persevere, uh, what you find is what is bad now slowly becomes fruit later. Right? And that's, like, that's actually really profound. So has there been a moment in that you observe where uh, suffering for the moment has led to a f- crop for God later? Yeah, so many times. Oftentimes, um, we, can be, we can instantly or right after doing something, we can be so discouraged by not actually seeing the result or fruit of what we do. Um, so for example, um, let's say, you know, I had, I talked to, maybe like a passerby or a friend about that I went to church or something. Mm-hmm. And I shared the gospel with them. I was like, you know, this is why I go to church. Somehow I end up in that conversation, right? And they don't seem to react to it or they don't really respond to it well. But if we actually read Patience and Suffering, um, read this chapter, um, we see that, you know, we sometimes we don't have to look immediately at what happens yeah. afterwards, but actually, there's actually... Yeah, being faithful now and sow the seed now. Yeah. You're a youth leader. Yeah. Can I, I've been a youth leader before. Yeah. And here's what I know about youths. You, you just, you have to always be patient and kind and kind of let them kind of, you just kind of sow positivity and God and faithfulness and scripture. But most of the time, they don't, listen and they don't they're just rowdy yeah but you have to keep on faithfully sowing and being patient and suffering Mm. but the moment where you see them give their life to christ and and they or however you want to say it right like make a decision or god saving them or whatever it is that um whatever our language should be it really makes all those moments of discouragement worth it doesn't it yeah right i remember seeing my youths like like kind of can, like kind of make a decision to follow God for their whole lives. And it's like all the discouragement in her just fades away in the scope of eternal worth. Mm. Yeah, I think it's so important to have that eternal perspective um, that we're not doing things for the current world, but to see what actually happens after um, in eternity, right? Sometimes if we were to like think of a giant timeline, right, we're just a tiny speck in that timeline, in Mm. God's plan. So to look at it in such a bigger perspective, I think, you know, God, I mean, James is talking about how, um, yeah, that we should be patient in that. Yeah, it gives us hope, Mm. you know. And in verse 10, he says, Brothers and sisters, as as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. Right, it's like there are prophets who, like, suffered in Scripture. They're telling the truth. They are warning Israel that they need to repent, and they didn't get celebrated. They actually suffered, mm. but because of their work, many people were saved. Because of their prophecies, people knew that Christ was coming, and they kept their faith and kept their hope. And in even in suffering. God can use, if we're patient and faithful, God uses that for his kingdom. Mm. 
Yeah. So he's explaining that there's purpose behind that suffering, that there, you just don't suffer for no reason. Yeah. Um, so if you are actually finding it hard to persevere and you're wondering whether or not you should continue to um, keep your integrity, even though it's hard, um, let, let Jack and I encourage you. Like, you got you to, gotta, let's have a bigger view. You know, mm-hmm. as you persevere, even in the moment it's difficult, give it to God and let Him be sovereign over our difficulty. Because there are moments where, there are moments that only happen if you sow. Like in, in Psalms, it says, those who sow in tears shall reap songs of joy. Like I look at my family and when we first came to Australia, like my mom wasn't a, wasn't a Christian and I had just become a Christian, you know? And I think we prayed a lot. My brother and I prayed a lot for her. And for like 10 years we were in Australia, nothing happened. But as we continued to live a life that was honoring to her, as we continued to pray for her and to bring her to church, the moment that she stepped forward at the altar call, I would say all the difficulty, all the arguments, all the sacrifices my brother and I had to make and be intentional with it, it was like, it wasn't even like it was equivalent exchange, you know, it was like, it was like we got something in, invaluable and immensely, infinitely valuable for something that didn't even cost that much. Mm. Like the worth of the eternal thing is way larger than the cost that you're paying to yeah. gain it. And in verse 9, James says that we shouldn't be grumbling against each other. And honestly, I quite find that challenge quite hard to do because oftentimes in the moment, um, you actually don't have that perspective of what's going to happen later on. Yeah. So it's hard to be able to see what's going to be happening in the future. Yeah, like in the moment, you really want to be right. Yeah. But at the end of it all, it doesn't matter who was right. It matters who was faithful. Mm. Yeah, and moving on, on to verse 12. Um, James actually brings us back um, to Jesus' teachings about um, not swearing oaths, doesn't he? And he says, but above all, my brothers, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or any oath, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like this is, I mean, it seems a bit weird to talk about that. Mm. Like why does it suddenly go to like swearing on heaven or earth? Um, just a bit of context. Yeah. People back then, as a form of like credibility, would often swear by the name of a god to go, oh, trust me because my god is trustworthy. Mm. Um, but often, that is the idea here is that you're borrowing credibility instead of having your own. Now, if we look at James as this idea of don't be a hypocrite, yeah. right? Practice what you believe. James is saying, do not borrow someone else's integrity, not even God's integrity. Because it's more important to have your own integrity, right? Like one, one of my um, mentors told me, like, there are three areas in our life. You know, there's our ministry, there's our reputation, there's our integrity. Um, we can't control the result of our ministry. That's up to God. We can't control our reputation. It's up to other people. But we can always control our integrity. Um, and so that part, it's completely up to us. Uh, so don't borrow someone else's. Take time to build your own, mm. you know? Yeah, so... Back to the culture thing, in Jewish culture, they often use oaths to deceive people to say that, oh, I'm going to do this, right? So rather we should actually have integrity. We should oh, be people of our word, that we should say things and not require the credibility of a God 
um, to do things. We should just do them. Yeah, right on. Like, so later on in verse, in verse 12, all you need to say is a simple yes or no. Mm. Um, if you are trustworthy, people will trust you. But don't pretend to be trustworthy. Have integrity. Don't be a hypocrite. Mm. Yeah, so important. Like, I mean, here's what I, here's what I fear as a, as a pastor. I don't fear people who want to attack the Christian faith. Because at the end of the day, they are allowed to have different thoughts, you know. And our job is not to um, kind of force people to think a certain way. Our job is to answer those questions with grace and to actually think about our faith. I think doubt helps us build our faith. Mm -hmm. But I think the most destructive thing to a church isn't um, atheism, new atheism, or, you know, whatever it is people think it is, right? I think the most destructive thing to a community is actually hypocritical Christians who say they're going to do one thing but end up doing something else, mm. right? Because not only are you um, finding it hard to uh, kind of treat people well, you actually end up taking away, like you end up causing other people to lose hope in the real promise of God, right? Because people look to us as an example, as ambassadors of Christ. So um, it's really important that we value our integrity more than the result of our ministry. Mm. Yeah, too often than not, I think. Even for me, sometimes it's hard for me to um, live out our actions as Christians. Sometimes it's hard to do that, but we shouldn't be hypocritical. Yeah. That's the theme of James. Yeah. One of the themes. It's like one of the biggest ideas running through. Um I mean, obviously, if you are hypocritical in some area, there's grace, as we said last week. Yeah, but it gives more grace. Um, but we can, we've got to look in the spiritual mirror and do something about it. Yeah. yeah. So important. That's it. Um, so moving on, yeah, James talks about praying, um, right? Mm-hmm. This part is very encouraging to me. Like if in the if in our sin and dysfunction, we should look to God to um, look to heaven and eternity to make us feel conviction. In our suffering, we can look to eternity to give us hope and encouragement. Like if the, we feel troubled, let's look to God. Mm. If we are happy, let's turn that joy into heavenly singing. Yep. Right. Is if there's sickness, let's look to God. So James is saying in all things. Let your perspective be fixed upon Christ and he will bring hope and conviction into your life. Mm. What are you seeing? Yeah, and as a result of this, um, it says, therefore, in verse 14, confess your sins. Um, so we see here that um, confession happens first before supplication because it says afterwards confessing our sins, we can then pray for one another that we may be healed. Right, so confession before supplication. Yeah, verse 16. Um, so what is supplication and what is confession? Mm, good question. So confession, um, yeah, is the idea of confessing our sins. I'm um, saying that, hey, God, we've fallen short um, of your standard, right? So we come before him in humility. Yeah, yeah I think it's also like confessing to people you trust. Mm. Like sometimes we feel like people will judge us because we have made mistakes, right? But then, like, I don't know if you've ever done, like, I feel, let's say I've hurt some. I think I've hurt someone real bad. And I'm like, and I've done something kind of shameful in my life. I find that telling somebody and then 
saying like, hey, I've, I've messed up real bad. And I think you should, you know, like I expect them to somehow like dislike me more. I find it so encouraging to then have those brothers and sisters go, no, it doesn't make me think less of you. It makes me want to support you. Mm. So can, when you bring your sins to the light and you find grace, it's actually way more powerful than if we just keep the um, hurt and dysfunction to ourselves. Right? It's, it's actually worth confessing to people you trust because um, then the sin stops becoming as powerful in its shame and guilt. Uh, what about supplication? Supplication. So um, it's explained in 16, right? To pray for one another that you may be healed. So supplication is simply asking for things from God. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, if confession is like taking something that you discourages you and hurts you and is dysfunctional and taking it out and sharing it, supplication is asking for something good so that they can be put into you. Mm. Right. So how do you do this supplication thing? How do you go about it? Sometimes I do too much of it. Okay. Yeah, I think when we talk about prayer and praying, um, sometimes I ask too many things from God. And, but in reality, James is actually saying in all things we should be pointing towards God. So I think sometimes I often ask too many things from God and forget to thank him for things. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, like, I mean, nothing wrong f um, f about asking yeah. things from God, but it's more like asking for the right things and the right attitude. Mm. Right, like knowing, um, like, are, are you going to ask for a billion dollars or are you going to ask for... Um, a, a better way to love and to build into your family. Which one's more valuable at the end of the day? Mm. Right, asking for the right things. Yeah, and James encourages us, right? He says, uh, the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. And he gives an example of that, doesn't he? Yeah. Um, of Elijah. Yeah, I mean, Elijah, I mean, if we look at scripture, he is so flawed, right? He was... Um, sometimes angry, sometimes capricious, sometimes um, kind of really antisocial. But he had this idea of eternity that was unique. Um, if anything, like he always saw God's work over his work. Um, so in the same way, if we keep our eyes on eternity, even if we are as flawed as Elijah, we're able to have effective prayer and Christian living in God. It's pretty encouraging. Yeah. Um, so what about the final two verses? I mean, it's pretty like, what, what is James trying to say here to us? In the final two verses? 19 and 20. Yeah. So James is talking about um, people wandering from the faith and our responsibility towards those people. So why does he end off with that? At the, I reckon, like my opinion, because I think it comes down to your perspective on the matter. I think so, now when I sometimes see people discourage and leave the church, there are moments where people, the, you know, like social media and all that, I know not everyone thinks this way. People just like to attack people who are wavering in their faith. Mm -hmm. You know, I see this a lot. Oh, like you hear this like almost, this person definitely never had real faith in the first place. You know, or this person's obviously like a, a bad person, unrighteous, whatever. But we see in James saying, no, look at the eternal thing. It is infinitely valuable to see someone discouraged in their faith, not to judge them, but the value, the value is not in judging them, the value is in bringing them back into the fold. 
the value of the prodigal son was not the judgment of him, but in the receiving of him back into the family. So we need to like check our hearts here, you know? Sometimes we feel discouraged. That doesn't mean we should attack people who discourage us. Mm. Um, people need to have grace. Yeah, God, James calls us to be responsible for those who have wandered out of our faith. Yeah. Um, so let's say if there's a friend, right? Or there's someone in public, um, public kind of uh, like sphere and they fall away from faith. The correct attitude is not to judge them. The correct attitude is to pray for them and to hopefully one day bring those friends back into faith. Because at the end of the day, God does his work. Not everyone's journey looks the same. But if we have an internal perspective, the valuable thing is not about being right. The valuable thing is about being saved. Yep. Okay, so do you have any other concluding thoughts on chapter 5? Mm. So I think I really like how James ends off pointing us towards the future and encouraging um, the people um, who he's writing to. Um, yeah, because he's, um, you know, if we bring it back to the context, James is writing to um, the church that is scattered. So I think that's encouraging to point them towards um, the future, that Jesus is coming back, mm. there's, that there's meaning behind the suffering. Yeah, like having integrity will have a reward at the end of it. Um, so let's sum up the main themes of what we've been talking about in the past few weeks. Yeah. Um, so James is the brother of Jesus. Big deal. He's writing as the de facto leader of the early church. And he's writing to a church that has been persecuted for the first time. And he's trying to gather everyone together and try and help them figure out what it means to be a Christian. What is important? Yep. Um, and the main idea for me is James is saying, don't be a hypocrite as a Christian. It's important that we look in the mirror, be honest with ourselves and say, am I really living what I believe? If it's in our speech, it's in our speech. If it's in our deeds, it's in our deeds. If it's in our heart, we need to look for it as well. And all those things then bring us together to have eternal perspective in God. What about, what has this book been saying to you thematically? Mm. I think it's an encouragement to act out my faith, to not just learn about it intellectually, but to actually live it out. Um, to have that eternal perspective to... Um, mind what I say um, to, and it reveals to me um, some things that as Christians we need to be working towards and what we can be striving towards. It gives us encouragement, gives me encouragement to um, submit my, uh, myself to the Lord, um, to resist the, the devil and to leave my will up to him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I hope you guys have enjoyed um, this podcast. It's been helpful to you as much as it's really encouraged me. Indeed, same, same here. Um, I mean, I've had. It's our first uh, kind of series, I guess. So, if you have any feedback or any questions about James or anything, um, make sure you send it to me. Please do. Yeah, it's Steven, S T E A V E N dot C H E U N G at N L E C dot org dot A U. 
and we want to hear from you guys and if there's enough questions maybe we'll do one answering some questions yeah and we're still learning as we go we're still figuring out how to best um, make this podcast work yeah uh, at the heart of it here, here's why we're doing this right we want to be friends that talk about scripture and learn about god and the church and so the point is not to be academic the point is to let's let's just be people who even if we have differing perspectives um, we can actually talk about scripture properly without having to throw chairs at each other mm, or books yeah yeah but one is okay, we've thrown one yeah but it's chairs the wrong yeah yeah for the conservatives there that's a joke that, yeah that's a joke guys yeah we didn't throw any chairs disclaimer disclaimer um so uh if you want more of this you know we'll we'll be back around feb um, for the next major series in our church. So stay tuned. And um, this is Theoban. This is Jack. And this is Church On Air and NLEC Podcast. Thank you guys for listening. Bless you guys.